Come on, come on, come on. Somebody look at your neighbor and say, all right, all right, all right. All right, you can sit down, you can sit down, you can sit down. Before I get started, I might as well do this. The president asked if I would play a song, and I got to play with the worship band, so that was cool. But um, what you may not know, if you've never heard me before, I speak in public schools. That's the main thing that I do. 20% of what I do is in churches, is preaching, which is great. But uh, 80% of what I do is with kids who have no clue who Jesus is. And I'm not even able to say his name. So I have to give hope without saying Jesus' name. Uh, this past week, I was with Grace Assembly in the uh, south side of Indianapolis. And the pastor went, Pastor Mary and his wife. I think his son's here. Is this son? Where's he at? Elliot. There he is. What up, man? You good, man? Good to see you, buddy. Good. Your mom said, call her. All right, so <laughs> I'm just messing with you, bro. <laughs> but, but they went to, we were at White, White Land High School, which I thought was funny. And uh, when we got done, uh, Pastor Mary looked at me and goes, I can't believe I felt the presence of the Holy Spirit so strong in this assembly program. And I, I told him, I said, dude, it's everywhere. You don't have to say his name. You just have to represent him. And that's what we're kind of talking about. So in public schools, I play saxophone. I play music. And um, one of the newest ones that I do, I'm just going to drop for you right now. So. so now look, if you all super spiritual and it's like, bless God, hallelujah, who stole a Mahonda. Okay, now, yes, this is a secular song because I'm trying to help people come into where I'm at. All right. But it's cool. But if you know it, you got to help me. It goes like Louis Clemente. What you doing up in here, man? Like this. Here we go. Here we go. And now, here we go.
up, keep going. Now watch me, we're gonna throw a hay in it. Somebody say, all right, all right, all right. I kind of loved the way the sign lady signed my saxophone playing. She didn't miss a word. It was all good. Everybody look at your neighbor and say, here we go. Look at your other neighbor and say, let's go. Yesterday, everybody say, yesterday. Y'all know what we talked about yesterday. We talked about the man who had a legion of demons in him and how he ran and fell at Jesus' feet. I want to take you a step past what happened to that man. Because at the end of the story yesterday, it says that when the city came out, everybody in the town came out. They found that man with Jesus clothed and in his right mind. Everybody look at your neighbor and say, in your right mind. When you get to Jesus' feet, it's not the end, it's just the beginning. I don't think y'all hear me, okay? When you get to Jesus' feet with all the nasty and all the hurt and all the pain, it's not the end, it's just the beginning. Now let me help you something, let me help you, let me help you out. Here it is. It's almost like when you get up and Jesus goes, okay, you're clothed, you're in your right mind. Now come on, let's go, let's go. And some of us stop there. When Jesus really wants us to do this, everybody look at me. He wants to change your vision. He wants to change the way you see things. See, everybody sees things one way, but Jesus wants you to see it the way he does. So all I'm doing this morning is taking a couple of things to make you think. I'm really going to make y'all think. Some of you ain't going to like it, but I don't really care. All right, so... So everybody, look at your neighbor, tap them. you got to say this a lot. Look at your neighbor and say, what do you see? Look at your other neighbor one more time and say, hey, what do you see? Okay, look at this. Go to John chapter 8. I'm going to start reading at verse number 3. Everybody, one more time, say, hey, what do you see? My people's up here. Y'all my people, y'all. Y'all don't understand. That's where I lived. And I ain't going to lie. I took naps every now and then, but... But I, it's good. It ain't my fault they wasn't good. All right, so. That, it is what it is. Okay. It says, teacher, this woman was caught red-handed in the act of adultery. When I was a little kid growing up, about 10, 11 years old, my dad made me sit by him in church. And I remember when the pastor read this, and I looked at my dad, and, I, and he said, if you got a question, raise your hand. So I raised my hand. And my dad looked at me and says, what? I said, what's adultery? And he said, ask your mother. <laughs> so I turned the other side, and I said, mom, what's adultery? She said, did you ask your dad? I said, yeah. And he told you to ask me? Yeah. She goes, turn around and told him, I said that he needs to tell you what that means. So I said, mama said that you need to tell me. I can see something's going down right now. 
And he looked at me, he goes, in order to participate in the activity of adultery, you must have nothing on. And I went, she naked. And he went, ding, ding, school's in session. So with that in mind, teacher, this woman was caught red-handed in the act of adultery. Now, forget the fact that Jesus is in the temple. Dude, they drugged this lady up in the temple after being caught in the act of... Why y'all looking at me? Y'all looking like y'all ain't never read that before? You just never saw it the way you really should see it. But dude, how would you... What if, let's bring it here. Let's just bring it here, all right? All of a sudden, the back door is open. They drag a student from our school and throw her on the stage, and she ain't got nothing on. And they look at Dr. Hagen and say she was caught red-handed in the act of adultery. Now that we got to make it home. Moses' law gives us the order to stone such a person. What do you say? They were trying to trap him into saying something incriminating so they could bring charges against him. Jesus bent down and wrote with his finger in the dirt. They kept badgering him. He straightened up and he said, the sinless one among you go first. Throw a stone. Just throw a stone. Bending down again, he wrote some more in the dirt. Hearing that, they walked away one after another, beginning with the oldest. The woman was left alone. Everybody say alone. Amen. One more time, say alone. alone. Jesus stood up and spoke to her. Woman, where are they? Does no one condemn you? No one, master. Neither do I, said Jesus. Go on your way. And from now on, don't sin. Everybody touch your neighbor and say, what do you see? Look at your other neighbor and say, what do you see? Now, y'all, I need y'all to get a picture because this is what I see. This is what I see. Can you picture a woman just sleeping? And before she could feel the warmth of the sun in the morning, she feels the wrath of human nature around her. All of a sudden, she's drug out and drugged down. It's like there's a parade, but she's not watching the parade. She is the parade. And it ends up in a place with kind of brownish carpet. Then all of a sudden, there's a hard wood floor. Then all of a sudden, she can hear people gasping. And she realizes she's in the chapel. And she realizes that it's 1125 and she realizes she's not in chapel but she is now and she has nothing on and everybody's looking at her I mean who, who does she go to she's been caught who's she going to plead forgiveness to and what voice is actually going to listen to her but then there was a man in the room who saw things a little different, and his name was Jesus. You see, listen now, we expect Jesus to stand up. We expect Jesus to step forward. We expect Jesus to levitate over the problem and do something. But before he stood up, he did something different. The Bible says he bent down. Another version of the Bible says he stooped. Oh, I love this. So if you walked in chapel late, and you're looking around going, where's Jesus? You'd have to look beneath the priests pointing their fingers, beneath the people yelling stone her. You'd have to look beneath a naked woman before you find Jesus. 
That is why Jesus was born in a manger. That is why there was no room in the inn. That is why his first breath had the smell of cow poop in it and donkey poop. Because if he wasn't born there, he couldn't save a girl like this. If he didn't start there, he couldn't save a brother like me. 20 seconds in case you're brand new. My mom's a prostitute, slept with a man for $20 to get food for my brother and my two sisters. I'm the result of that $20 bill. People look at me all the time and say, I feel bad for you. Because my mom kept my brother, kept my sisters, but said I was a mistake and gave me away. But that's okay, because I don't see it that way anymore. Somebody touch your neighbor and say, what do you see? He stooped down to wash people's feet. He stooped down to hold children. He stooped down to pull Peter out of the water when he was drowning. He stooped down to make mud to put in a blind man's eye so he could see again. He stooped down to pray in the garden before the soldiers took him away. He stooped down to carry a cross that he would be crucified on. Jesus stooped so he can reach you and he could reach me. Somebody touch your neighbor and say, what do you see? What do you see? Put yourself in their shoes. Or even better, won't you look through Jesus' glasses for a little bit? I'm just giving y'all something to think about. And that was the easy part. Now let's go to part two. Now before we get to part two, I want you to do me a favor. Get your phone and just do this. On, Sept- on October 12th, I have a new book coming out. It's called Not So Black and White. When George Floyd died... And I watched a funeral in this room. Before the funeral even, your president had a Zoom call. And I was on that Zoom call. And we were talking about racism. Not soon after George Floyd died, my phone rang. And it was a friend of mine. He's a pastor in Nashville, Tennessee. We grew up going to camp together. We've written, he was my ghostwriter for the first three books that I wrote. And on this one, We both co-authored it together. Here's why. He called me and he says, Reggie, you're the only one that can help me. I have to get up Sunday and say something to my church. There's people marching in the streets. There's riots going on. What do I say? What do I say? So I'm about to talk about racism. Right now, some of you, your flag went up. Some of you, your glasses went on. You need to take yours off and put Jesus's on. Because see, if we're going to talk about this in the easy stuff about a naked woman being on the stage, then we need to talk about stuff that's really hard, like systemic racism in the world today. So I'm not here. You could get mad. You could do what you want. But here's the thing I want to tell you. You ready? When was the last time you changed your mind about something? When was the last time you listened? Instead of coming up with an answer to make you okay, come up with an answer that can make our world okay. Never dreamed I would have to preach on something. I used to make fun of it, but not anymore. So let's go there. So Jesus traveled to a region called Samaria, a place where Jews rarely ventured. He was resting by Jacob's well, and a Samaritan woman came to draw water about noon. Now, I don't know if y'all know about Samaria. It's hot. It's a desert place. It's real hot. And if he's there at noon, the brother's a little thirsty. Jesus said to her, "Uh, give me a drink. Now, listen to me real carefully. All I'm doing in this story that's in the Bible is to talk to you about what's in parentheses. Here it is. I'm going to drop it on you. Ready? The church for too long has lived in parentheses when it comes to racism. And we need to be in the main storyline. We got to get out of the parentheses of this. 
And we got to stand for what's right. And the only way to do it is to see it through Jesus' eyes. He knew racism was coming because it was there with him. And so many times we go over this without realizing. Just look what's in parentheses. It says this. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. In parentheses it says, for his disciples had gone away to buy food. The woman said to him, how is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? I like that. The gospel writes and inserts another statement in parentheses. And in verse 9, it says this, for Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. To move the church out of parentheses, we need to rediscover a belief that experience that Jesus taught us in this story right here. Because the Bible says in 1 John 2, 6, those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. Come on, somebody look at your neighbor and say what you see. Come on, look at what, say it again, say what you see. Look at verse 9. For Jews have no dealing with Samaritans. And there it is, boom, there's racism right there, boom. It's right there in parentheses, it's right in our face. So how does Jesus deal with it? What does Jesus do? How does he act? You got to understand, Jesus was a man. He was man. It was noon, it's in the desert, he's thirsty. And he put his human need to drink in the hands of a white lady. Just messing with you. For those of you who have Jesus running through the woods in a white dress with a purple hash hugging trees. I don't have that kind of Jesus. My Jesus looks like Arnold Schwarzenegger coming back saying, I'll be back. When we, think of racism, when we think of racism, I've got to read it straight to you. When we think of racism, sometimes it's inside the parallel of all we've grown up with and what we have. So if we decide we are not, that racism's in the past, it's in the past, then how can we deal with our future if we can't deal with the past and our present? we got to realize we got to handle this. Imagine if no one had engaged her because she was a Samaritan. What would her life be like? Actually, we don't have an image of thousands of of Jewish people who have never gone there. Even the disciples were wondering, why are we here? So Jesus had to send them all away. He never sends them all away. But he did that day. Why? Because he knew they wasn't ready for this one. But he knew the needs of that one woman was more than the 12 guys he was teaching. I'm glad somebody clapped. Thank you very much. Mm. No one expected Jesus to converse with this woman. The disciples weren't there to witness the exchange. These followers of Jesus who was committed to him, who preached the gospel, performed miracles, walked on water, eventually became the spiritual powerhouse that launched the church. Yet, in verse 4, he sent them all to go get lunch. Sent them all to go get lunch. Most Jewish people at that time would rather die than ask for a Samaritan to get them something to drink. If you want to start reading this book, notsoblackandwhitebook.com. Just go there. You can start reading it today. I wrote it for the church. It's by Zondervan and Thomas Nelson. They're both doing it. It's their number one book coming out this fall. 
And we got a phone call two weeks ago. And it was my publicist. I didn't even know I had one. <laughs> like, what? You're my who? <laughs> I said, all right. <laughs> he said, Reggie, you're not going to believe this. The producer of Good Morning America wants to talk to you. This girl, Robin, and this dude, Michael Strahan, are fighting over who gets to interview you and John. I said, what do you mean, interview us? He goes, you're on Good Morning America, October 11th. Not just one, but for two separate sessions in the three hours of the show at 10 to, 20, 20, 10 to 15 minutes each. So they don't give nobody that much time. I said, do they know we wrote this about the church? I said, this isn't for the world. It's for the church to help the world. He goes, he's going to call you. So he called me. I said, bro, you don't want me on your show. I said, dude, I can't do nothing but tell people about Jesus. He goes, Reggie. He goes, you know how many messed up people started in the church but then lost their way? If it's this important, which you and I both know, we live in the most pivotal time in the history of mankind. He goes, I, as a Christian, I got to slip you in, bro, because I think you're going to change this thing, man. Now, wait, wait, wait. Wait, everybody look at me. Watch this. It says, all the beliefs that the Jewish people had, they believed they were superior, privileged. Their faith told them they were better. Their ancestry said they were better. But Jesus refused to play by the privileged social skills that they grew up with. Instead, he humbled himself to engage this woman in conversation, listening to her share her viewpoints. And this woman was messed up. She went from here to there. She made fun of Jewish people, their religion. She made fun of herself and how she grew up. But Jesus sit there and sit there and sit there and sit there. He was moved by genuine care for this woman, caring and having compassion for her soul. That's who we are if we just look through his eyes. You won't see a drug addict as nasty, smelly, and smells like urine. You'll see a man who used to be a boy who just needs to go to Jesus because his foot's about to hit the ground. What do you see today? I want to see the way Jesus saw. I want to live the way Jesus lived. This week in uh, one of the 31 programs I did, at the end of one of the programs, I could not tell if it was a boy or a girl, or a girl or a boy. But, but he and she raised their hand and said, what do you think about transgender kids? Would you love us too in a public school? I don't even say Jesus. I looked at him and her and I said, what's your name? He said, it, it, it used to be Ronald, but I don't go by Ronald no more. I said, Listen to me. Whatever you want to go by and whoever you are today, I'm here to love you just the way you are. <laughs> 23 kids in a classroom. Now, some of you going, how dare you? You're for them. You're political. And you need to change the way you're seeing. We messed up, y'all. We messed up. Do you know what the church is? 
to seek and save the lost. I'm not a Republican. I'm not a Democrat. You can walk out if you want this morning, but I know you got to go to class and all that. But listen, we got to get back to who we are. We are the presenters of the gospel that could change the world. It ain't Republican. It's not Democrat. It's not Trumpism. It's not Obamaism. It's Jesus Christ. Y'all hear me? Let's go back to who we were. The president's coming. I know some of you got to go to class. Hey, take it. Read on it. Notsoblackandwhitebook.com. Can I come back? Well, I got to go do my homework because I'm in grad school now. So it's cool. Lewis, thank you. Hey, my nephew's here. Donovan, thank you for coming this morning. He's a youth pastor at Emmanuel. It's good to see you. Pastor, come. Bow your head, everyone. Jesus, I pray right now, God, that as we go into this time of prayer and fasting, that your Holy Spirit would be your Holy Spirit. God, I pray that some student in this room would decide, I don't want to see through Reggie's glasses. I want to see through Jesus' glasses. That they would take the words that were preached this morning, take them to heart, read it, look at it, ponder, ponder over it, and let it change them. But God, we need you to save America. And we believe you will use people to do that. So God, use North Central University to change the world. In Jesus' name.